Hello and welcome to another episode of the Chicken Nugget Day podcast with me, Justin Cellini. It's been a really long time since our last episode and I do apologize for that. This has been quite the school year. I haven't really had the amount of free time that I usually have, but I wanted to make sure that I set aside some really special time to sit down for an interview with my department chairperson, Tony Varageo, who's calling it quits after a legendary, and I mean legendary, 37 year run as a social studies teacher here in the Sachem Central School District. So I don't wanna waste any more time with a long-winded introduction. So I'm proud to bring you a really awesome 45 minute long interview with the legend, Tony Varageo. Right. Well, Mr. Varajeo, welcome to the Chicken Nugget Day podcast. I'm so happy you're finally on the show. How are you? Uh, Mr. Cellini, it's great to be here. It's an honor to be it's here an to honor finally make, uh, make the broadcast. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, I'm really pumped. It's uh, nice. And it's not too early, so it's, it's not. I've had enough coffee to be, to be semi-awake. We're both so, a little uh, coherent right now. That's good. Yes. Um, yeah, so, you know, this, is, I, I'm sure you've listened to a couple episodes. This is yes. more for the kids as like a motivational tool, but we try to have a little fun with it as well. Right. Um, I don't know, do you know why we call it the Chicken Nugget Day podcast? I do not, actually. So, uh, in the beginning, <laughs> I was releasing episodes on Wednesdays, and that was Wednesday's Chicken Nugget Day here at Sachem East, you know, and, uh, it just became a thing. Like every day the kids would ask me, hey, how are the nuggets today? And I'd be like the, the provider of the feedback. A little mushy, they're crispy, it's just right. Um, so I don't know, I just figured it'd be a fun thing okay. to call, call I knew show. you. I knew you were a nugget guy, I, I that's do, for sure. I do. So I didn't realize it was just a coincidence with the release. Okay, that's yeah. cool, I yeah, love so it. Yeah, the, the so the, the common theme with, you know, with, with the first question, I know you're a, a man of a refined palate, but <sighs> if, if, you had a craving for a chicken nugget. I know you're like your McDonald's. I heard some stories recently, but yes, uh, on, on rare occasions. Boy, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I, as I over time, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if you'd call it nuggets, but when I'm looking for an app in a restaurant or something like that, I do tend to go with the boneless wings more. Okay. So I don't know if a boneless wing would I'll, characterize as a nugget, yeah, that counts. technically. Yeah. But I, I do, I do like a good. A good boneless wing, and is there um, a place in particular that serves them up the best? Oh, I mean, there's barbecues in Patchogue is always good, and their their smoked wings are awesome as well. Right, but they've got a good one. Um, there's uh, yeah, you know what, uh, Billy's in Port Jeff. You can't go yeah. wrong with their boneless wings. I forgot about Billy's. Um, you know, my wife's a big lover of the boneless wing as well. You know, so unfortunately, if we split, I can't get anything too hot. We usually <laughs> go with like, you know, like a, a just whatever a medium sauce or a honey glaze something sure, sure. like that but um yeah but i'm, I'm more of a fan and, and mcdonald's good. sometimes you do get that craving for the uh for the nugget and sure. you know but um you ever do like i don't know back in my prime of eating i would do the fast food tour i would get the mcdonald's fries the wendy's nugget the white castle slider yeah, yeah. and then go home and just enjoy the, the full smorgasbord i'm going I, i'm going back to be quite honest because <laughs> You know, you say that, and yeah, like McDonald's fries, absolutely. I right. tended to like Burger King nuggets, to be quite honest. Yeah. And I would get the onion rings at Burger King yeah. to, go with, to go with the nuggets. And then I would drive miles and miles to get a Roy Rogers, uh, Roy Rogers. cheeseburger. I, I mean, really? to me, when they closed that last one down off of um, Sunrise Shirley, Highway yeah. in Shirley, that was a that was a big blow. I don't want to get you too excited, but I've heard rumblings that that's going to reemerge. Really? Yeah. Because to me, they just that was a home run. Your, yeah. your chicken, your burgers, it was quality. Yeah, that, and I'm very excited um, that there's an Arby's now in Center Reach. Yeah. Because I was a huge and still am. Uh, it was Ar one in Port Arby's forever. fan. Remember yes. One? Yeah. 
pork chips. Just there, the, yeah. the beef and cheddar, Arby's, and they're still big in Pennsylvania. So coming back from uh, Penn State football games or something, riding yeah. along Route 80, right. you get that hankering for a beef and cheddar. You just eh, find I'm, that. I'm exit. a little embarrassed to admit I've never had Arby's. I guess. Oh, oh I it, it, it's good. And matter of fact, last time I was in was way different from when I first started having Arby's. Listen, I'm getting old. I realize that. Oh, I am, but. <laughs> That would be my thing. When I worked in the mall, when I was in high school and college in the Smith Haven Mall in a right. big department store there, and I would get off work at 10 or 11 o'clock, getting Arby's on the way home was like a big treat, you know, sure. for me. But recently, within the last year or so, when I went to the Arby's in Pennsylvania, the menu was so extensive. I didn't, I didn't even know where to look. And, really? And I just got like burnt out reading all the choices they had. So I went back to my traditional kind of Arby's beef and cheddar. But um, it was pretty cool. So I'm That's looking awesome. to explore Arby's a little bit, a little bit more uh, here. something to do in retirement. <laughs> Check out the fast food menus, how they've evolved the, over time. I can't go back to the fast food. I want to talk continuity food. and change. You know, they, you know, I want to see a thesis come <laughs> September. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, so my last couple episodes have been about the teaching profession overall, right. and you know, I, I thought it'd be really cool to get your insight on it because you've you've been around you know a while now. Um, just you know, advice for like future teachers, someone who maybe is just getting started. But you know, I'd, I'd love to get some context. Like for you personally, was there a point in your life where you made a conscious decision that this is going to be the job for you, or is that something that you kind of just uh, came yeah. into over time? How did that work? Yeah, you know, I I hate to. Um say that I, I fell into it by accident, but I really did. When I started college, I had no desire for teaching, never entered my mind. I certainly had um, some very good teachers, graduated from Sachem in 1979, and certainly there were some role models and, and good teachers, but it wasn't a thing for me. I was a science guy. Hmm. Um, I thought I might pursue something in, in the field, and I was kidding myself all along because I just didn't have the brain for the really high-level stuff that, that shot me down in college. But yep. you know, for the first almost three years at Stony Brook, I was really heavy in the sciences. And then when I realized that, okay, you know, medical school, whatever, it wasn't going to work out, sure. it was like, well, you know, what have I always kind of liked and what did I have done well in, in college were history courses. And, and I really did have a passion for that. And I said, you know what? Let me finish out with that. So, you know, obviously a history and, and political science degree I wound Same. up getting. Yeah. Uh, took an extra year because of student teaching, because obviously right. what are you going to do with this now? You can love history, but how does that translate? Of course. Yeah. Knew I didn't want to do law school. Um, so I said, let me give this teaching thing a try. And uh, student teaching was in the fire. I, I student taught with two old teachers I had at Sagamore, uh, you know, junior high at the time, now, now middle school. And they literally just, the day I came in to student teach their seventh and eighth grade classes, I never saw them again. So it was truly trial by fire. Yeah. The one guy, I was doing his eighth period uh, seventh graders, and we would see him out on the field at Sagamore hitting golf balls. Like that, <laughs> that was his thing. They just removed, and, and looking back, it was terrifying, and it was an incredible amount of work, but it was probably the greatest thing they could have done because there was no spoon feeding, there was nothing. It's your classes, go, sink, swim, yep. um, whatever. And uh, I just maintained really good connections at Sachem, and uh, there was an opening for a leave at the high school in fall of 1984, which happened to be my 
former Global 10 teacher who I adored, adored. She went out on maternity, I came in, and really the rest is whatever. That turned into a probationary spot and permanent. There you go. And that's it. So, you know, being at the right place at the right time, I like to say, you know, maybe that extra year of college that I had to take to graduate, right. it was kind of meant to be. And, and, you know, who knew? Actually, it was something that I, I was very comfortable in doing. Teaching. Were you nervous? Like, for me, I was a little bit nervous when I went back to school to you know, pursue the teaching profession, like what, what's gonna happen? Am I, am I gonna get to student teaching? Am I gonna hate this? Like, right. I, I knew though, like my very first day of student teaching, I had the most amazing day. I'm like, all right, this, I want this. Like, did you have like a light bulb moment like that where it's like, I, oh, this is awesome? I, I, that didn't come until much later. Gotcha. Uh, the student teaching was such a grind yeah. because I was on my own. And again, this is, in, you know, nobody wants to hear this back in the day, but, you know, there were no copy machines. There were no, you know, this was the hand-cranked mimeographs, mimeographs right? and yeah. the purple paper. That's where the word ditto ink. comes from. It, it, yeah, <laughs> this, was, this was another world. So that kind of stuff, there was no technology. There, yeah. it, so it was... It was boring stuff. It was very meat and potatoes. It was nothing really fancy to do. A lot of the things we do now and take for granted with collaborative learning and stuff um, just really didn't exist. So student teaching definitely was not an aha moment. It was, all right, I got through this. Gotcha. I knew the people. I, was a, I came in as a perm sub then in the fall of 84 after I student taught. Hated subbing. Hated. Oh, I remember sure. telling my wife, um, that, listen, if, if I don't land a job by Christmas, I'm out. Like, I've got to do something else because this is not for me. Right. You know, maybe it was the middle school kids. I don't know what it was. And luckily, within weeks, the leave replacement opened up. And that was a terrifying thing itself because, you know, I was still 21. You know, I graduated, not early, but I just have a late birthday. Yeah. So here I am now going from middle school kids subbing to all seniors you're only three years old. And I'm only three years older. Wow. So, yeah, so that's scary. You know, yeah. I'm going to be 60. My first students are 56, that 57 years old. my mind. Yeah. yeah. So wow. I, was, I was absolutely terrified that you're walking into a beloved teacher's classroom with, you know, on a schedule of almost entirely seniors that are within three to four years of you. So that was, again, a real grunt. Like, that still wasn't an aha moment, but I think by the end of that year when I realized that I could do it, Sure. And that there was going to be some security with a probationary job um, that I started to say, exactly. hey, this is this is pretty good. I should probably stick with this. Yeah, for me, I, I had like um, amazing social studies teachers at, when I was at Murphy, right. seventh and eighth grade, Mr. Beattie, Mr. O'Hare. Um, and I kind of made a conscious decision that that would be a cool thing for me to pursue. Yeah. But I got to Stony Brook and I had so many diverse interests. Like I needed to try everything, you know, before right. I could commit. That was always a tough thing for me. Like, which... What do you choose? But it just, after trying everything, I, you know, you just, your interests, I guess, gravitate towards one field. And, right, right, you know, right. So yeah, that's, uh, that's, I did the same thing, history, poli sci, double major type thing. And, yeah. Uh, that was it. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when I think back now, you know, it kind of makes sense because when I was like real little, I was always into the history stuff, even like the little kid books, you know, uh, you know, young adult books even were very history oriented. I went through my wanting to be an archaeologist phase, you know, for a while I was obsessed with that. So, you know, looking back, it, it kind of makes sense. I guess you have that gene in you and, you know, always had an appreciation for it. And sure. what better way to now have a job where you can just, you know, really tell stories and hear yourself talk and, know. you know, hey, and be on a stage for a little bit. So, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so it's worked out well. Can't complain all these years later. Very good. Yeah. Now, this is a huge question, probably the most difficult out of all of it. Good. 
do you have a, like a favorite memory or two in the grand span of your career? Is there like a story or a moment that really like just I don't know like grabbed you or that, it, that will it always be in your in your memory? Oh boy, that's hard, right? that's, that's a really hard question. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, every year is kind of the same, you know, because you're teaching the same stuff. Your students are always the same age. Yep. Uh, I, I don't mean, you know, disrespect toward classes of students along the way, but, you know, at some point it kind of blends together, sure. you know? So I think my earlier memories of things that stand out are like not positive ones. Like, you know, those are the things when I think back, because the good ones just kind of, the good ones all kind of blend together. I think what happens is like, students stand out sure. you know I think a particular student that even years and years later whether you run into them or you get a random email from them you know and now they're in their 30s or 40s and you know they write you and you, you know you'll see if you I'm sure you've gotten it yeah, already but you know you'll see that and that that's the that's really the greatest thing so I think there are individual students for whatever reason maybe it's academic it's personality maybe you had some similar interests with them uh, but there was some kind of bond there that you'll remember that they'll remember so when I think of particular instances I think of like early when I went from north to, to south at the time you know those first few years at south I was teaching a class called global revisited and it was for like students who had failed the regions or failed their class several times yeah. and it was a group of <laughs> I'll keep very challenging students right, right. who, if I would turn my back too long to put something on a board, would be going out the windows of the classrooms. Because the way they were, you could obviously on the first floor, it's how you could easily get out. And you, then you got to go find security because these kids are, are literally making a run for it. You know, I remember a class where I turned to write notes on the board and somebody whizzed an eraser at my head that hit the board within inches, like the dust cloud next to me. You know, I remember early in my days at North in, in, in you know, the mid to late 80s, well, the fights that would occur, like fighting was much more, more common. Right? I know there's yeah. issues now that are maybe more prevalent, you know, in, in, than back then, but there were fights. And in those days, you know, teachers could mix it up with students. I hate to say that, but so I remember jumping into fights and grabbing students, unfortunately, and pushing them. Or th like, those are the kind of things that like really, to this day, <laughs> I have reactions yeah. to like, holy cow, I can't believe those things happened. So unfortunately for me, the events, themselves, the particular events tend to be a little bit more on the negative side because you're like, I cannot believe that happened or that student did this or that. Sure. But the positive stuff is, are some of the students themselves. Right. And, and over the course of, listen, 37 years, it's been wonderful. There have been a billion more positive things that have come out of it from negative. You know, not every year is perfect. Even in good years, you might have some students that are challenging and difficult or a particular class. But listen, you know, I'm looking back overall and it's like, yeah. I, you know, I, I couldn't imagine a better experience. So you had a lot of challenges early on. Was there a moment where you were like, do I want to continue to do this? Or what, what, what kept you going? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question, you know, because um, as a teacher, and then once you get tenure, you have to, you know, back then it was, it was, it was three years, right. you kind of, I'm not saying you're trapped in it, but you are a civil servant right. and you do have now a pension that will one day come to fruition. Um, 
And yeah, so it's got good and bad. And my, you know, my wife and I had talked over the years, you know, she's in, in the business world and there were opportunities in other places in the country, even in other countries themselves. And it's kind of like, I'm the one who's locked in. You know, she could get a job anywhere she wants in her field. Me, once you got that tenure, you're, you're really, so it wasn't so much, it's a matter of practicality. It, right? it, yeah. it, it becomes a matter of, of practicality. Right. So even when it does get difficult, it's like, suck it up. Right. There's a lot riding on this. And, sure. and fortunately, I think when I transferred to the South Building, uh, now back to Samoset, but it was called the South Building, and it was just ninth and 10th graders, and met many of the people that are still here at East with me now and things like that. I think that's where I really, that was kind of that most of the mid part of the career. I think that's where it started to get really nice and comfortable. There was a wonderful principal for many years there. A shout out to Mr. Cardillo, um, who was my principal and really took me under his wing. And there were other great administrators even before that. But um, I think when it got to South and it was only a nine and 10 building, there wasn't the pressure of having to teach a million different things. I started to make my way into teaching honors in the nine and 10. Um, I think that's where things got very comfortable. Besides being a great staff, a really great building. I think that's why I started to finally like enjoy it. The years at North were tough. There were lots of things to teach, often had three rooms, sometimes three or four preps. We had trailers back in the day where you would go from teaching inside the building to walking the boardwalk out to a trailer, um, you know, and teaching literally in like a railway car oh um, with, a, with a portable chalkboard that you would have to hold on to with one hand while you wrote, while you wrote your notes. So I think when I finally went to, to, um, uh, to set the South Building in whatever it was, 91 or 92, um, that's where I started to kind of hit a groove and get super comfortable and start to start to really enjoy it. Yeah, I think overall an important thing to take away if you're thinking about maybe exploring this career is that it can be a little bumpy in the beginning. You know, within my first four years, I dealt with two layoffs, right. worked in a different district. I think maybe by year five, I started to feel like I could be good at teaching. It, right. took, it took some time. Yes, you feel like you're doing you're doing the right thing, and you you have the interests of the kids in mind. But uh, I feel like I didn't come into my own until maybe five, year five or six. Probably right. took me that long. Right. To feel stable and comfortable with the curriculum. And right. And I, and I agree. And I, with me, it was probably more like that year seven or eight where you finally had some stability. Although I was teaching for 13 years and got laid off, got excess right. because of things. You know, that was probably, what, 1996, 70, somewhere in there. I mean, there were, there were a couple of years where, um, you know, I was getting the pink slip for excessing. And fortunately, for different circumstances, came right back in September, so it was uninterrupted. But yeah, listen, teaching is great, but it is not easy. Like anything else. And you really have to have a passion for your subject area. You've gotta have the interests of, of your students. You know, it is not, listen, not gonna deny having summers off. If you can, you know, fortunate like myself, I've never really had to work in the summer. Uh, so listen, that is great. Vacations are great. You know, all of that is good stuff. But you know, you keep in mind that um, it is tough. You're dealing with probably, you know, uh, at the secondary level, you know, a hundred or more students easily. You know, every single day. 
all of those students have their own kind of unique circumstances and backgrounds and needs and wants and you know you've got to manage that with you know compassion and and empathy and the day does not end at 140 the day ends when you know you're creating papers you're doing it on Sundays and Sunday nights early on your lesson planning um, so even with that being comfortable in your own skin in front of a room and stuff takes a number of years um, you know getting comfortable with that routine of teaching it takes a long time and and, and if you're to be honest in my mind if you're a good teacher like should Mr. Cellini, end, right? that that should never end. No, like I that agree. kind of work ethic um, should should never end. I was just speaking to somebody uh, the other day um, about early in my career, and, I'm, and I was just thinking, like, I don't use anything that I've made that's wasn't made within the last like four years. Right. So I just have like gigabytes of files, blood, sweat, and tears making these things, and now I'm looking, I'm like, wow, that's junk. Right. You know, it's right. nuts. Like I'm always trying to make things better. Right. Um, and I, I think that's an important thing to. And, and that's to the and that's the way that's the way it should be. Right. It needs to be not only for the benefit of the students, but just for your own mindset yes. too. Is that you know the teaching's what you're going to make it, and if you settle into where you're using the same thing year after year, and you know it's not that you're not going to tuck away good stuff, but like myself too, you know. You try something, you're making mental or physical notes for next year to try something different to do this, or you're finding new materials that you want to implement. And yeah, I mean, the reflection you know, piece is very important, I feel like, yeah. in this job, right? Yes. What, oh, like every day. What worked, what did not work. And like you said, make the notes. Make the notes. Write on the, write on the handout, you know, put it in a binder. Right. And then next year you, you fix it. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. Yeah. So you already kind of spoke about this a little bit. I don't want to you know, go, uh, go too crazy about it. But like over the course of 37 years, whereas there, or were there rather, a couple of like, real challenges that you had to face? I, I know like you mentioned accessing, teaching in a building with um, trailers. Right. Um, obviously the, the curriculum has changed, the regents exams, the technology has come and go. Is there anything in particular that stands out as something that was tough to adapt to over time? I, I think, you know, <laughs> at, 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 at Sachem, you know, there's been lots of new things, lots of new programs. Sure. You know, I think, I think we can all feel that uh, sometimes it's disheartening that once you've started some new kind of a program or teaching methodology there or something like that, you know, <laughs> it, it's gone, you know, with a new administration or a new board or whatever it might be. So I think that's been challenging because you tend to get thrown into these things where you've got to go a thousand percent all in because it's required. And then within a couple of years, well, that's gone, you know, and all that, that effort you put into doing the things the way they were supposed to be. Uh, that goes. I, I think everything else, it's just a natural evolution, which you have to be ready to do in teaching, whether it's, you know, changing attitudes of students or changing technology. And to be honest, that was, you know, I've, I've never portrayed myself as a, as a super tech person. So the last two years, obviously, where, where we've been with COVID and the changes we'd have to have, have had to make, excuse me, on the fly, have been challenging. But, you know, you adapt. You see what works. You know, I'm not saying I'm regretting I'm going, but I wasn't a Google Classroom person uh, up until I really had to. And I have found an incredible amount of value in utilizing at least certain parts of that for the classroom. You know, my new uh, uh, smart board in, in the room, the giant television is super exciting. You know, yeah, it'd be, cool. it would be nice, you know, if I had the option to try that out, but um, it's not gonna happen. So I, I think that's really it. There's those challenges like, okay, you're being transferred to a new building or a different building that you didn't anticipate. That's a challenge. Sure. You know, you're being asked to teach different courses that you've never taught before. Yeah, that's a challenge. but. You've got to evolve, and you have to stay. You have to stay flexible. Yep. That that's the thing, and I think just that's just a natural, uh, natural part of teaching. Nobody goes through their entire career with 
without disruptions or, or things like that. Yeah, I was talking to the kids recently about uh, how the, just last summer I finished maxing out my credits. They're like, wait a second, you, you were 35 and you just finished college? I'm like, well, not technically exactly that, but right. I try to explain to them that the, when you have a career, that sometimes, it depends on the job obviously, but sometimes the learning just never stops. Right. And like, I think it's important to embrace that because I remember, I think it was 2013, yeah, maybe 2013, I took a, um, a postgraduate course at Stony Brook about Google tools, okay. thinking I, I just was interested in it. I didn't think I was going to be using any of this stuff. The you know, station was still a little bit lagging when it comes to the tech stuff. Right. But that facilitated every, you know, when COVID hit, I was like, oh, this, I already know how to do all this stuff. Right. Like, this is fantastic, you know, and if I was not maybe open to that learning experience, or willing to try something new, you know, that would have been more of a struggle. So right. You got to keep the learning going. You got to keep the learning going, and you got, like you said, you have to be open. Yeah. You have to be open to because the, you know, things are changing, and you got, yeah. you got to change with it. Sure. Or, or else it's going to be not a good experience. I'm for looking you, forward so. to a day where there's no more copies that need to be made. Like, right. Right. Give me a Chromebook <laughs> at every desk. That's right. it. Well, stop killing the trees. Maybe, maybe next year. I that's hope so. uh, that, really, that's the that's the word. I so, know, I'm which to I think it. will be very cool. Yes. That that'll be very cool. It's 100%. been very successful in other districts. So, hopefully here too. But, yeah. Yeah. So again, we're we're overlapping a little bit, but um, how has this profession like? Besides the technology stuff, overall, right. what, what kinds of things have you seen change in teaching overall? Uh, Maybe in terms of the teachers themselves or the yeah. students, could you name anything specific or kind of just a, a gradual just... I, I think a gradual, you know, I think deep down, like the students haven't changed really. I mean, you know, a 15, you know, yeah, someone who's 15, 15 or 16 year old back in, in the 80s is pretty much the same yeah. now I, I in terms of like just who they are and, and, and developing as as people yeah. kind of things but obviously environments have changed um, yeah I don't want to be the you know old get off my lawn guy no, but no. you know technology has yeah. definitely played a role in, in in students now over the last you know 10 years and their interest in technology and technology as a, a diversion and it is something as teachers we've had and maybe battle against is not the right way because you could certainly incorporate the technology but it has become a, a distraction I mean uh, from the teaching uh, perspective sure. and you know it, it's something that's becoming it really is just more prevalent with students that we have to compete against their you know the phone and the and yeah. the video games and and this year really it came to the forefront you know with the way things were where on the one hand we're wanting students to use more technology but yet how do we really kind of control it and for me that's, tough. that's been that's been kind of frustrating yeah. because i really feel i want students their attention in the classroom and you know but it's become even harder to like walk in and put your phone away and to, I know. Yep. it's it's tough so i don't know where that's going i don't know if i necessarily envy you know teachers like yourself that are going to be here for a while yeah i'm hoping if, and, there's a, if there's a chromebook up a desk and it's locked down i guess by the district maybe right. we can maybe we can eliminate some of the distractions right. I, I, maybe, that's, that's maybe a, um, who knows right but. but that's a good point that you know they'll have that built-in fix for right. using the technology right there sure. and again but up to you as the teacher to make it where you're going to incorporate that and that sure. doesn't just collect dust or whatever yeah so despite the technology do you think there are inherent things that teachers need to hold on to outside the technology that are important in the field. Like I, obviously being comfortable with the technology is important, but is there, are there some things that a teacher should hold on to that's not connected to, like what, what other values would you 
think are important when it comes to a potential teacher outside of being good with technology and maybe content knowledge? What else, what else is important? Um, I think, I guess two things. I, I, and again, I, I see this as a big differentiator in, in teachers. Um, you know, I, I don't want to just classify it as, as work ethic, but it, it's, sure. it's pretty clear that you know, there, are, there are teachers who you see have a work ethic and, and put a lot into it and do all the things that we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then some that really don't as much. And I think sometimes that gets disheartening because you need to kind of keep focus on what's important to you and, and, and you keep pushing ahead. But I think the other thing too that's gotta be a constant and I guess comes more naturally to some people than others, you gotta have that empathy gene yes. to students. And I think, yeah. listen, that's not like letting students do what, you know, but I think- Boundaries are important. Boundaries are, are absolutely important and yeah. setting very high standards and pushing students. And I think that's another maybe whole category of really encouraging students to work hard, to, to, to do more than they think they can. Yeah. Uh, that's something that I've always gotten positive feedback on. But I think just being also an, an empathetic person to realize the troubles. And I always use the example with, with my students is that, um, I was pretty hard nosed for most of my career, like thinking, you know, my class was so important. Not that it was the only class, none of that stuff, but, you know, super high standards. Sure. And I guess maybe a little less open to excuses or problems or whatever. And then I, I just used the example of when my daughter hit high school, you know, my daughter Allie. And, you know, she was a great student and really all AP classes and all this, but I started to see the pressure that she was put under and she, you know, she was involved in music and theater and sports and, you know, like a, we and would say a really stuff. good, yeah. well-rounded AP student, you know, good, good student would be. And I just started to see the pressure and I was like, wow, like, am I being that guy, you know, the teacher that she can't stand because of this, this, and this. And, right. and I think so probably within, you know, the last 10 to 12 years, I don't want to say kinder, gentler Varajeo, but maybe a more understanding, a more flexible, you know, uh, more leaving lines of communication open with students that if there was an issue, it's more important that the work get done uh, and done well and not to resort to copying or cheating sure. or, or wherever. And I think that's just good value to instill that, you know, listen, we all have our problems, you know, things come up, things can't be done. I think there's, there's a line that you can have yep. um, to keep that open for students. So. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I feel like, not that I'm super rigid, but I find that in early in my career, I guess uh, I was so concerned, I guess, with being liked. Maybe I allowed the kids to walk over me a little bit too much that's... and I had to be a little tougher as the years went on because I, I saw that my approach wasn't quite working. Right. I needed to have a little bit more of a backbone and uh, not that I didn't expect high standards, but maybe in terms of classroom management or disciplinary things, maybe I let a little too much happen. Right. And um, that was important for me to kind of tighten up. So right. I think I, at this point, year 11, I've reached a good balance of being tough, but also empathetic. It's, it's right. definitely a fine line. Now you bring up a great point, which again, that idea that you do, well, listen, we all want to be liked. But when you've got 120 students, you have to come to the realization that you cannot you or will not be liked nope. by all of them. 
if you can be liked by most of your students and be liked for the right reason, right. that you are fair, that you are empathetic, that you are working hard. Students see right through Very you. Very true. You hear the stories that students will talk about other teachers that what goes on and they, there's no respect there. I think by and large, you know, if you're fair and you push students and set a high standard, you know, uh, that'll come back and appreciate students for, for who they are, you know, and just, um, yeah. you know, in this day and age, especially when we're dealing with all kinds of things that, that students are going through, I think that's important. But you have, that, that's a great point you brought up. You have to come to that realization. You cannot be liked by every student. Nope. Um, you know, and I see it. You, you see students you connect with and students who don't. The, the year after they have you, they'll barely make eye contact with you in the hall. <laughs> yep. And it's like, well, I thought we had a good relationship. Know, and they, yep. obviously they are, they are done with you <laughs> for whatever reason. And then there are those students that 30 years later will send Stole, you, will, will seek you out and send you an email. Yep. Because, and that's the stuff you have to feed yeah. off of. So, 100%. But that, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk in terms of advice. Um, okay. If you're looking to get into teaching or maybe you're a, I'm going to be now a first-year teacher. What what kinds of advice would you give that person besides some of the stuff maybe we've already talked about? But yeah, um, again, I think I think you've got to work hard. And I know I don't know if there's a question because like, I might have my glasses on, so I can't. But um, I I think there was a question you had sent about like the hiring process and stuff. So maybe I can yeah, I can course. blur that in. Sure. You know, I've been really fortunate to be the chairman here in this in the department for the last almost 16 years now and I've been super lucky that a big chunk of the department I was able to play a hand in hiring being on the hiring committees and, and really having a say on, on to who gets brought in and I think you know the advice would be what comes out of these interviews is that you can see right away who's got the passion for it um, sure. and, and maybe that's based on previous things that they have done while in college and, and accolades or, or grades, whatever. But it's so much in that just interpersonal skills that gets, that gets related. And again, you can see through that, you know, a real passion. And I'm not talking super geeky passion or anything, but just a real passion for the subject matter and the character that you have as a person. I know you can't create that, but those are things to think about if you're going to go into the field, you know, and the work ethic. And I, I've told Mr. Cellini before that the test I always used sitting there across from, you know, co these college students looking for jobs is, you know, can I vision, you know, envision you in 15 years? Are you going to be the same person you know, that I see now when it comes to that passion and that drive and that concern for the kids. And believe it or not, you, you can see that. And that's a major question I ask. And I think by and large, really almost to a person, the people that I've been able to play a hand in hiring in this department are, are not only incredible teachers, were incredible teachers when they first started, but now six, eight, 10, 12 years later. And I could certainly see that, you know, in, in the next, 15 years when they're 30 year teachers and, and those are the people that really form the backbone you know of this department so I think you know as I move on now I, I think there's a, a really good foundation that's left but you know that that's kind of the litmus test that I've used and I think by and large it's it's come true there's just something intangible you know that's why it's so hard to lay down you yeah. know you know because we've you know we've interviewed so many people and there are people out of ivy league schools with 4.0 averages and they've got all these awards and stuff and and yet you yeah you sit down across from them and there's just 
nothing there. You know, it's, it's kind of a cold recitation of what they've done and, and, and things sure. like that. And, and yet someone who, you know, you never know where good teachers are going to come from. It's interesting because I don't know if you remember last year, for whatever reason, you couldn't go to North to partake in watching. Yes. Um, interviews and model lessons and you right. send me as your proxy yes and uh that was a really interesting experience because i got to see like wh where i was like 11 years ago and um and i think you're right i like i i could tell i don't know may maybe i'm wrong but I, I feel like i could tell who would be successful long term and who wouldn't right and i was just getting started in, in being in that role and that's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's something there. You know, it's an it's an X factor, yeah. not to say, but you know, they talk about that with with celebrities and stuff sure. like that. You know, there's just there's just something there. There's a sparkle. There's something. There's a connection that they make, and and that's not to discourage people. Uh, I think a lot of it is innate. But you certainly can acquire those kind of traits when you find your passion, whether it's social studies, if you're thinking of teaching, or some some other some other um, uh, you know other less important field than, <laughs> than social studies. Yeah, why you'd want to teach math or something? I don't. I have no uh, clue. But right? but that's but that's that's me. Yeah. <laughs> so to just circle back a little bit, uh, you're you're retiring now, yeah. 37 years later. I'm gonna miss you. Oh, um, thank you. I'm gonna miss you. I like. I, I honestly cannot picture this building without you here. Um, but So I just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate everything you've done for me, for this department, to make this environment welcoming. Um, I, I tell the kids sometimes, like before I was a teacher, I would ha I had that job where I was literally like in tears on the mm -hmm. way to work. Like, and uh, I needed to shake things up, obviously. But when I got here, despite the, and I mean insane, insane hours I had to put in for the first few years of my career. I always enjoyed it. I always wanted to be here. And that is a huge, you're a huge factor in that. And uh, things will never be the same here. But I, I was just kind of curious, you know, and again, back to you know appreciation. Uh, 11 years ago, I had a last minute interview for a job here right out of student teaching. I was going up against people that had way more experience than me. And you and the administrators took a chance on me. And, and I, honestly, to this day, I'm still not 100% sure what set me apart. I, I, I don't know if you can remember back that far, but what, what did you see in me that well, here, was the X factor? <laughs> well, here, here's... Be here, honest, rip me No, back. no, no, no. Here, here's, <laughs> here's the thing, and my, my memory is fading a, a little it's a bit here. It's long ago now, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe it, yeah. it's that long ago. Um, but the bottom line is, um, and that's what's nice, and, and why, as a department, we've always been welcoming of student teachers. Um, uh, to be quite honest, there's more, there are more student teachers that just don't have it than do. And, and unfortunately, that's become a, a bit of an issue. So if you exhibit those characteristics we talked about, those positive things, that you're going to stand out and shine. And one of the biggest attributes that Mr. Cellini had going for him was that, that hard work. And, and that, that's an innate characteristic that you have. I mean, you, you sometimes to a fault stress over things. You want things to be perfect. And, and you know, there's got to be a happy medium. But you could tell even early on um, that you had that work ethic, that passion, that, like I said, that was that 15-year test. I, I could see that already when, when, you, were, when you were a student teaching. Um, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's really part of it, that you wanted the job. And of course, the, if, if people don't know the story of the hair, <laughs> that is, that was the, 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 the clincher, oh, and the maybe, why don't you explain yeah, what yeah. happened? Because no, it, it all relates this, to... And this is, you know, illustrative of 
why you you were set apart. So okay, I'll turn it no, over no, to you. No, no, no. I had I had the longer hair and um, quite long, quite long, uh, mullety, 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 long. curly, mullety. wet. It was a hot mess. Rock star long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my mid twenties were an interesting time. So right. uh, I did my student teaching placement at Somerset, and then I come over here to East to do my high school uh, right. placement with Mr. Schnupp. Mr. Schnupp, <laughs> and you know, circling back to your student teaching experience, like I'm not here to throw anyone on the bus, no. but like I. Not that I was put into the line of fire, but I took on more of a role than I anticipated right, taking. Absolutely. And right. you know what? At the time, it stressed me out to no end. But right. like, I really appreciate that because I feel like I learned a lot. And I could, I felt comfortable like being creative and, and trying things because I felt I, I could. Right. And um, right. you were given the keys like yeah. right away. Yeah, right, right away. <laughs> and even, even at Samoset, literally day one, I, I observed two periods and then boom, you're, you're in. You're in. Yeah. And I think as a student teacher, you should... Uh, again, things vary according to placement, but like if you have an opportunity to seize the opportunity, seize it, because I think that makes a good impression. Yeah, you know, oh, that, you, that you're very much. To just get up there and go. Right. Um, so that's that's certainly important. But anyway, the hair, I, uh, I get here, and uh, my first day here, I met with you and, and uh, Mr. Schnupp. Right. And I, I could tell when Kevin walked in, he's like, <laughs> who is this guy you're making me work with? You know, but really quickly we bonded, and uh, it was awesome. But towards the end of my placement, one day, Mr. Schnupp comes up to me. He says, you have a shot at getting a job here, but you should cut your hair. <laughs> and on the one hand, I'm like, oh, I don't want to sell out to the man. I, I, you know, like, I just want to be me. You rebel, you. But, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but literally right after school that day, I went and got my hair cut. And I come in the next day, and, and like, Kevin, Mr. Schnupp, is just like, what did you do? Uh, but it was a good look. I, I, I popped for a nice haircut. Yeah. It was, I don't do that anymore so much. But, um, yeah, so I just, but, I, uh, I cut the hair, and yeah. uh, I guess I showed you guys I, I, you know, I wanted it. Well, you know? it, 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 it's little things like that it is, it is. that showed your commitment, that you were, like, willing to do whatever, whatever was, necessary. was necessary. And for you, listen, it was a lifestyle change, you know? I get, <laughs> was, I, yeah. I, I, I get it, but the fact that, you know, just upon that suggestion, which was super sage advice from, yeah, from Kevin. Absolutely. Um, to say, hey, listen, you know, this is what you have to do. And, and it's, it's, it's looking to people like that and, and being open to advice and saying, hey, this If he this didn't think I had work. a shot, he wouldn't even say He wouldn't, right, absolutely. So but it's I like, appreciate it. Listen, that. right, you got a shot, you're yeah. close, I think this will put you over the edge. And, right. and listen, you might, who knows, you might have got, but obviously the impression it made, it, and people talked about that for <laughs> years. <laughs> I know. And you could see here, uh, folks, kids at home, that, um, you know, here we are on Thursday, the day before the last day of school. It's, it's barely a day of school, to be quite honest. And Mr. Cellini in his shirt and tie, um, old, old school, I'm sporting the shorts and black station t-shirt because it's black is slimming. So I, I wanted to I do that. But, um, right now. but yeah, and, and but this is, um, this is something that is still really uh, appreciated, you know, and uh, at least, you know, for the next few years until you slack off a little bit. But listen, early in my career, I don't know if I told you the story, when I was at, uh, at Sagamore in the, in the subbing, um, or maybe at the end of student teaching, I'm not sure when it was, because it must have been the end of student teaching in May or something, because it was a warm day. And I was uh, in the building at Sagamore, and the, t the, the principal, Bob Teagan at the time, um, I didn't wear a tie that day. And he caught me in the hallway outside the main office, and literally, like, and he was, little little old guy he seemed like he was 80 years old at the time white hair but i used to play golf with him at belport country club and stuff and right. he was a great guy old guy from boston 
And he just looked at me and he like finger in my chest practically and said, don't ever come into my building without a tie on. Wow. And like I was, whoa. So needless to say, the next day, even at the end of the year, as really a, a student teacher, but I think I was doing some subbing. It, you know, it was weird in those days. You didn't, so I think I was doing some subbing and proctoring. Man, I had a tie on and I didn't take a tie off for probably the next 15 years. I mean, that's just, you know, really the way it was. All through my days at South, it was shirt and tie. And even when we came here, it was still, you know, I've completely slacked in the last, you know, last six, seven, eight years. But, um, you know, I, I just. I'll never forget my first year. I, I guess I was in such a grind that I, I didn't like look up to see, you know, to talk to people. And first open school night, I didn't know everyone wore suits on open school night. Right, right. I didn't look bad. I had a shirt and tie on. I looked right. nice, but like I walked in, I was mortified. <laughs> and I saw our principal, Rory Manning at the time. I could tell he had that look like, what did you do? Why are you doing that? And uh, yeah, so wear the suit at open school night, right. the shirt and tie, at least through right. tenure. Yeah, that, that, that right. I, I think it's still important. Yeah. Um, and also too, with student teaching, um, and again, I credit uh, Mr. Schnupp for this, is that he pushed me as a student teacher to be observed by you, by the administrators, yes. which I think a lot of students, and myself included, I was extremely hesitant. I'm like, I didn't feel confident just yet, but he kept pushing and pushing like, no, make them see you, make them see you. And right. I think maybe that played a role, it, you know, the willingness it, to be observed and you could see a little right. bit of what I was capable of. You Again, know? That's, that's a really great point and it's something that I always recommend that the cooperating teachers say to the student teachers, you know, it's not my role as a chair, so I'm not an administrator, to go around and observe. Sure. But I have always, always encouraged it and welcomed it. Most student teachers don't take advantage of that. No. And I think that's a real disservice because, you know, I'm not saying you're hiding something, but, you know, if you're looking for a job, why wouldn't you reach out right. to other people? Even if it's another teacher, uh, the chair, an administrator, you know, get a lesson that you, you're, you're proud of and, and you're pretty happy with and nobody's expecting it to be perfect, sure. you know? But again, you, you, you'll be able to see, I will admit, you know, is, is there a good foundation? Is there some creativity? Is there good classroom management? Is there a good rapport with the kids? Like I said, those things, you know, should be exhibited even early on and, and working for it. It's almost it. like but you're doing a model lesson already. Abs for interview, absolutely, know. and that is a great point and that without a doubt, the, the people that have been successful are the people that have done that. Mr. Salini's not alone. We look at other hires in the last, you know, 12 or 15 years. People went out on a limb and, and did that. And that absolutely means a lot. But I've always thrown it in the, in the, the arms of the, the student teacher. You know, you, right. you come seek me. It's right. not my role to go exactly. around, yes. you know, but I would like to see you. But let's make an appointment. Let's sit down once, twice, ten times. I don't care. Right. I'll make it there. But that definitely played a role. This is yeah. a great, great, Show great point. Happens. Great point that you brought up. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, Mr. Varajeo, this has been a lot of fun. Thank it you has. So this much is for being great. Here. Thank I, you for I making it so early. comfortable, and 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 Try. thank you, thank you for the kind words. Really, it has been. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Absolutely. I'm gonna see you, yes. but I'm gonna miss you um, very much on on a daily basis. But you know, I, I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you've, you know, you've added so much to the department and the building, and, and the kids just absolutely really adore you. Um, you could see by, you know, the way, the, the many groupies and, and many revisits oh, you get all the time. And I know it's not easy, but you, no, you smile, and but that's what, that's what it does when you have those connections. So I, I know you're going to keep doing it, and uh, I'm going to miss you really every, every single day that I'm not here.